Then what was the second one? Taps you on the shoulder. Oh, taps you on the shoulder and then hits you over the head with a two-by-four. They said to me, that seems kind of harsh or rough. I thought we're dealing with a loving, gentle, nurturing God here. <laughs> yeah, it does seem that way. And I know Jim has stated it that way, but I don't necessarily think that he really meant that that was God doing that. Did you? <laughs> you I that. would garner that it was really spirit supporting the soul to move forward and in the states of resistance that we create in our unwillingness to move forward is what feels like the two by four over the head. Because in the beginning, it's not a big deal. That's the whisper. But then when we keep resisting, that resistance creates the block of energy, the contraction that begins to create the pain, that begins to tap on the shoulder to get our attention more. Isn't that what resistance does through pain, through challenge, through struggle, through strife? And then the two by four is because we've not been willing, because we've been resisting the process of the unfolding of our life. And the two by four is usually when we get to the place where the resistance is so strong that we can no longer resist. And when we reach that place when it's so strong, that's when we experience the greater pain, and that's what we call the two-by-four that hits us over the head. Because often that's what it'll take before we come to the place of willing to let it go. It often takes the great pain, the disappointment is the way I phrased it earlier, before we're willing to really let go and detach ourselves from those things we've held so tightly on to. So that's the two by four to answer that one out there. It's not God doing it to us. God is gentle, loving, nurturing, comforting, peaceful, joyful, accepting, all of that. So we might have to rephrase that one because that was a good point I heard somebody make. It's not God doing it to us. It's just that we're doing it to ourselves and that's what it often feels like. God's always whispering, but we're the ones with the two by four. But the resistance doesn't allow us to hear that still small voice. When we let go of the resistance, because what happens when we finally smack ourselves with the two-by-four? We knock ourselves out. We let go. We're down for the count. We let go. We don't have any energy to resist anymore. And as soon as that takes place, the resistance is let go of, all of a sudden we can begin to hear now that still small voice whispering in our ear. And all that voice says is, Come home. I love you. Come home. So all we have to do is set down the two-by-fours, let go of the resistance that creates the two-by-fours, and start building the power of the name. Start building that inner pathway 
So we can use the two by fours in constructive ways to build that solid foundation, of the solidness of the path. And that's what we're doing when we're chanting the names, is building that power that brings the soul home, which is loving. Haven't you noticed that in your meditation? That spirit is so subtle often. You may see the purple light or just feel a divine presence, but it's so gentle or subtle that often we can miss it. Like that purple light kind of comes and goes. It's not quite a two by four. When you hear me, like earlier, I said I experience the fullness of spirit. It's me just being more aware. When I feel this other pressure, it's me being more aware. It's states of awareness. But it's good to pay attention to that and then see how we want to move forward and what we want to do with that so that we set ourselves free and really move into the greater freedom of loving, the gentleness of spirit. So we don't have to go through the two-by-fours. So thank you for that person who asked that question. Because it gives Jim and I a chance to maybe further explain some of the statements we make to give greater clarity and understanding with what's really going on on this inner journey. And many of you know this. Many of you really know this stuff. And if anything, hearing it here helps to validate or confirm inside of you if you've been wondering and weren't sure. Because like I said, this stuff can often be so subtle. But then when we hear it, especially from somebody we trust or look at as a spiritual teacher, that hopefully they know what they're talking about, <laughs> Good question, though, isn't it? But even if they don't know what they're talking about, if we hear something that is our experience, something inside of us stands up for joy because we go, that's my experience true, too, so it must be true. That's often what it is. And that's where often there's the value in getting together like this and sharing in hearing the discourses as they're presented. Because make no mistake about it, what Jim and I share here is not from the personality. It is through true inner experience. And it is the divine radiant form that shares that divine essence. So that divine essence in you really knows itself and knows the steps along the journey and what it needs to do. And then it just unfolds. We all need that. We all need that. I've talked to too many people, even on this path, who begin to have inner experience and they start to think they're losing it a little bit. I'm wondering everybody else in the world is going to think I'm crazy. But then you come here and you hear those crazies being expressed as something normal. And then all of a sudden in hearing that, we begin to now realize maybe we're not so crazy. Maybe we're more normal than we even thought. Maybe we're even more normal than the rest of the world. And we begin to realize how crazy 
this frickin' world is, or how frickin' crazy this world is, or however you want to say it. And that's the truth. But the crazy is really just the chaos and the ignorance that we experience when, when we're in the mind, the emotions, the unconscious, the imagination, the body. It's crazy and weird at first, but then it becomes the new normal and ordinary. And we find that greater peace and joy and loving. And that's when we know that we really are on track. Because something inside of us becomes settled. It gets answered. Even if we don't wake up and see the face of God, if all we experience is just a peace inside of ourselves, that is that loving essence of God. And that is our awakening in knowing that greater truth of spirit. And all we have to do is keep coming back to that over and over and over and over. Because as we keep coming back to that over and over, the sick and tired now turns to joy and health, spiritually. The body still goes through its process. The body will always go through its process no matter how spiritually awake we are. I'll vouch for that. <laughs> the only true perfection is spiritually. Physically, there's always going to be the flaws, the mistakes, the errors, the suffering. But when we live spiritually focused, we realize even that is perfect. Because that's how it is. It's perfectly functioning the way it functions. There's the perfection. That it's just being the way it is. And so all we have to do is move into the being of the way things are, and there we find ourselves in perfection. Interesting word, perfection. <laughs> the one thing I've discovered is that there is nothing perfect in this creation at these lower realms. And yet we all are looking for perfection in the world and we're often looking for perfection within ourselves. We expect it. And then when we don't find it in the world or we don't find it within ourselves, we get disappointed with it. And that disappointment builds and works against us rather than serving us. If we can stop looking for perfection and just begin to move into acceptance of what is and then see in that action what we might like to do different, what we might like to approach differently or bring about change, then we can begin to bring our lives into that flow that we long for. But if we're ever looking for perfection, perfection in ourselves, perfection in our others, perfection in the world, we're ever going to be running up against a brick wall. Maybe it's even more solid than a brick wall because there is no such thing as perfection in this world. And there's no way to knock down that barrier to get it. 
So if we can begin to move into everything we do within ourselves first, and it really begins always within ourselves, to move into acceptance of who we are just now. I am whole, I am complete, as I am just now. And in those things where I find I am not moving into the greatest fulfillment or joy or peace, enthusiasm, creativity, I'm just now going to choose to approach things differently, to find a way to bring about greater fulfillment, greater joy, greater peace in my life. I've talked to several people over the years who are so disappointed in their mate. When they met them, they thought they were perfect. They just did everything perfect. Their homes were kept perfect. They always dressed perfect. They did everything perfect. And then when they started taking care of them as their mate, it was perfect. Until finally one day, they get tired of trying to be perfect. And things change. And the relationship changes because all of a sudden that image that the other person was creating falls apart. Maybe you've experienced that for yourself. Maybe you've had that put upon you from another. Or maybe you've witnessed it in other people in the world. I witnessed it for myself in a particular job I had at one point. I remember the boss coming up to me after being there for three weeks. And he had heard so many different things about my capability and what I could do and how I would approach it and that I would take a lot of the pressure off of him, and that's why he hired me. And when I came in, I started doing the job the way I could best do it, the way I knew how to do it. But it didn't meet his ideal of the perfect manager. And I can remember dealing with that for months, and months and months, ever being threatened. Well, if you don't do it perfect, you're going to lose your job. I want it perfect. He wanted the shelves to look perfect. He wanted everything to be perfect. He wanted people to show up on time no matter what. And if they didn't, it was my fault. And he expected me to be perfect. So one day I went in because I knew my life was on the line, my job was on the line, whatever. And I went in and I sat down with him and I said, so can you begin to explain to me what this perfection manifests like? How do you, how do, you do perfection? And he said, what do you mean how do I do perfection? I'm the owner of the place. I'm the boss. I don't have to do perfection. You do. And I said, if you will be the example, I'll follow but I don't have an example in the world. Can you point out one person in the world that's around us that I can look to and walk in their, their steps as they go in their life and learn what it is to do perfection? And he says, well, I was told that you were perfect, that you could do everything perfect. And I said, well, whoever told you that, I'm sorry. I'm not perfect. But if you can demonstrate to me or show me somebody who demonstrates it, I'll learn it. 
I'll go, I'll learn it, and I'll do the best I can to get what you want. And he said, look, just go do your job. and We'll talk about this later. I want to think about this. So I kept waiting and waiting and waiting, and he never called me back into the office, never talked to me about it, but he never approached me again about how I wasn't handling things in a perfect way. Until one day he came up to me and he said, well, let's talk now, let's talk. So we went back to the office and sat down, and he looked at me and he said, how dare you? And I said, what? And he said, how dare you come in here and tell me that I was expecting you to be perfect? And I said, pardon me? That's what you told me over and over and over. And he goes, no, I'm saying, how dare you? And I said, so what does this mean? And he says, I'm not mad at you, but just how dare you put it back in my face and make me look at myself the way you did. I've never had anybody do that. And I have sat with this for, for weeks and weeks now. And I said, I wondered what happened. You never called me back in. We never had a, had a conversation about it since. And he says, I've been stewing in it. I've been angry. I've been frustrated. I've been wanting to fire you, but I can't fire you because what you said is the truth. And he said, damn it, Jim, I'm mad at you. But at the same time, I'm really grateful. And he says, I don't know what to do with you now. I don't know to call you my friend or my enemy because of what you've done. And I said, so what are you doing with this? And he said, well, I'm looking at it, and I'm realizing where I do this in my life. And he said, the only thing I can say that you have done for me is you've helped me to look at my relationship with my wife and my children differently. And I'm looking. I don't know how to do it yet, different, but I'm looking, and I realize now that I've created separation. I keep expecting them to love me, to honor me, to do for me, because I'm their father, and I'm the husband, and I'm the source of their income, of, of their livelihoods. And all of a sudden I realize I've been putting on everybody those same expectations. And he said, so what do I do? What do I do? All of a sudden I can't have the conversations with the people that work for me. I can't have the conversations with my wife or my children the way I have in the past. And I can't create the situations by which I get what I want from them now. And I'm mad. I'm mad at you. I can't get what I want. And I said, well, I don't know how you can get what you want from others. But I know how you can begin to get what you want from yourself. And he says, I don't want anything from myself. I want things from others. Like I wanted you to be perfect and to take care of business so I didn't have to think about it. And I said, well, for the last few weeks, have you thought about your business and about what I'm doing and if I'm doing a good job or not? And he says, no, I don't care. I've just been thinking about what you told me and how much you've brought this up into my face to where I'm having to deal with all this stuff inside. And he went, wait a minute. I get it. 
And he said, all right. So I've got to do this myself. This is something I've got to deal with, right? This is mine. And I go, yep. And he goes, I don't like you. I don't need to look at this. This hurts too much. This is why I put it on other people because I don't want to look at myself. I don't want to deal with these frustrations inside myself with myself. I said, well, now's the time to begin. And we talked a little bit more, and then he dismissed me. He said, well, just go. I'll, I'll, I'll deal with this. It's, it's not about you. You're not going to get fired, but I, I'm not real happy with you right now. I said, okay. And I figured, you know, he had left me alone for the last few weeks. If he's not happy with me, but he keeps me there, I'm okay. <laughs> so I went on, and I did my job. He never brought it up again for, gosh, weeks and weeks, maybe a few months. Then one day I got a phone call, and it was his wife. And his wife called to thank me. And I said, you're welcome, but for what? And she said, well, I just want to thank you for all the conversations you've been having with my husband. And I go, well, I, I haven't really been having a lot of conversations with him. And he said, well, she said, well, he said you were the cause of all these changes in him that are going on. And that it was through these conversations that you're continuing to have that have brought this about. And I go, well, I don't know how many conversations he thinks we've had, but I don't know of that many. And he says, well, what, she said, well, whatever it is, however it is, thank you, because it's really changed. And she said, I'm calling you today because my daughter came up to me today and she told me that she likes her dad. And she had never heard that from any of the kids. That it was just stressful, it was separation, and there was no like or love in the household. It was just survival. And she said, for my daughter to come up and say that I like my dad is a huge statement. And she said, so can I come over and talk to you? And I said, why don't we meet somewhere else, like on my lunch hour, rather than meet here? Because I don't know what he'll do with the conversation being had. <laughs> she said, that's a good idea. So we did. So she started working on herself. Well, things changed. That Christmas, he gave bonuses for the first time ever to everybody, whether they were doing a good job or not. He had a Christmas party for everybody. He started being generous and caring about other people's conditions and problems. He gave people time off if they really needed it, with pay. And when I finally did leave there, he came up to me and he said, Jim, I just want to thank you. You've changed my life. You've changed my life by being honest. You, you made me be honest with myself. And my life has changed. And ever since then, I have looked at those words, listened to those words of being honest to self. And that's all we have to do is we need to be honest with ourselves. If we can be honest with ourselves, really sit down and share with ourselves and talk to ourselves and listen to ourselves, 
And in that honesty, begin to bring about some changes, some movement, some action. Our lives can change. And where I found that honesty taking place for myself is in my meditation. It's in my action of loving God. And in loving God and sharing that loving with God and opening to receive God's loving, that I have to be very honest. In that moment, when I'm sharing with God my loving, I have to be very honest with myself and find that place where the true loving resides to be able to share that with God and not go in there and give love out of expectation. Well, God, I'm giving you love, so now give back to me something. Give me this. Give me that. And I had to be honest with myself and being able to open up and truly be vulnerable to God's loving as it was being shared with me, coming into me. And often I would find things standing between me and God, either in the process of giving or in receiving. And I would have to be honest and say, Lord, at this time, I'm not really willing or able to give the loving or to receive the loving as I would like to because of where I'm at in my relationship with you. And I have found that if I can be honest with myself and then that be honest with God about what's going on inside of me in that time, that whatever that is that's standing between me and God, that is stopping that movement of loving, that is separating me, begins to dissolve just by acknowledgement. And oftentimes there's not a whole lot more that I have to do than just to pay attention and to be honest. To be honest in that moment. So look and see how you can do that for yourself, with yourself, in your daily life. Not just in your meditation, but in everything that you do. And also in conversation with people. Be honest with yourself and be honest with them. I have found that if you are honest with others, then they will be honest with you. But if they feel, they don't even have to think about it, if they feel deceit, if they feel separation, if they feel withholding, they are going to respond in like ways. Because they don't feel you're being honest with them. I have seen this over and over in relationship where somebody in the relationship stops sharing their loving with the other person. And they're waiting for that other person to finally say to them again, I love you, and really have meaning in it, a feeling in it, a truth in it, an honesty in it, before they'll say, I love you. And we do that in our relationships quite often. 
Maybe it's not about loving, but maybe it is about being honest, being truthful, being giving, being receiving, being participating in relationship with a friend, with a family member, with a boss. And I can remember when I went to my next job and they had gotten a reference from my boss that I had this whole process with and I went down to begin my, my, my first day at work. The owner of the company called me in. He wasn't really my boss because his son was going to be the boss. He called me in and he said, I want you to know you came with the highest references from where you came from, and I'm surprised in a way that you even left there by the way they talked about you. And I said, wow, well, that's nice to know. I, I, hadn't, I didn't know that. I wasn't aware. Uh, I just gave the places where I had worked, and they called for references. And uh, he said, there was one warning that I got about you from this last job. And... I just want to talk to you about that warning. And I thought, oh, really? You know, I thought maybe I didn't show up on time every time or I don't know what it was. And he said that it was a warning, but it was also a compliment. But it was a warning. It was literally labeled in the conversation as, well, I just want to warn you that he's very honest about things. And he'll tell you, what's going on with himself in relationship to his job and to the boss that he's working for. And so you better be ready for honesty. And he said, I hope I'm ready for it because I just hired you. I hope my boss, the, the, my son is ready for, for this honesty because he's going to be the one over you. But we'll see. We'll see what this does. Well, I caused a little controversy here and there, but not like I had done in the other one. But it wasn't necessary. Or I'm sure it would have come up. But I've also found that in this honesty, my life is freer inside. I can be caught up in myself, caught up in a situation, trying to control something trying to make something happen, trying to get somebody to hear me. <clears throat> and if I can just stop for a moment and be honest with myself and ask a question, and often it is, what am I trying to prove to them? What am I trying to make happen in the world? And really be honest, it's often that I want to be right. And I want to make it right. I want to be the source of it getting right. And all I have to do then, in the moment that I discover whatever that is that's taking place inside of me in that state of honesty, is to just bring it quiet and realize I'm not the source. I'm not the source, but I can be the source of the loving by which things can transform inside of me and in my world. Not in the world, but in my world and those things around me. And I learned this from a wonderful lady who was from Thailand. She was Islamic in her faith and just a wonderful lady. She was an artist. 
she came in and I did framing for her all the time. And she had a wonderful phrase. And I remember the very first time I ever heard it. She was trying to get ready for a major show. She was a very popular and very well-known artist at the time, not just locally, but on a, on a national level. And we were trying to get some framing done for her, and she was running late. And she came in with more work to get done very quickly to get sent off. And we were writing it up, and I said, so when do you need this for? And she said, well, I, I need it in three days. And I said, oh, my goodness. I don't know. I'll, I'll do my best. But I can't guarantee anything in three days, you know, of, of having all the molding, of having this and that and the other to get it all done. And we've got other people stacked up in front of you. And she goes, oh, God willing. And, and I went, what? And she said, it's in God's hands, not yours. God willing, it'll be done in three days. I'll pick it up and I'll get it shipped. And I said, well, we'll see how God's will is in this then. And I, 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 I believe in God's will, but at the same time, I was having to deal with framers in the back who were going, what? No, not more. I can't do that. I've got to do this in order and whatever they would say. And um, so I, I, I took everything back and I, I put it down. I didn't even ask them anything right away. And one of the framers came back up to me a little later and said, Jim, you took this order for three days from now. Why did you do that? And I said, well... She has a show. She needs these things to be sent out right away to get it to the show in time. And so I told her, I'll, I'll do my best. And, and he said, well, that just puts a lot of pressure on us. Why did you do that? And I said, because at the end of the conversation when I explained it to her, she said, God willing, it'll be done in time. And he looked at me and he said, what? And I said, God willing, it'll be done in time. And he said, oh, my God. It'll be done tomorrow morning. And he stayed that night all, until 2 o'clock in the morning getting all these things framed for her so that it could get out in time. And he said that he watched his father die of cancer lying in a bed at home. And his, his grandfather was Muslim, Islamic. And all his grandfather ever said throughout his life, in his childhood up until his grandfather died, was, God willing, it'll be this way. God willing, whatever God's will is, it'll be fine. And he said, the very last thing that he said on his deathbed was, if I meant to live longer, God's, God, it'll be God's will. It's in God's hands, not mine. And he said that was the last thing he said, and he was gone. And he had to face inside of himself that this must be God's will. And through all of that, he had learned to make that statement inside of himself silently, but he never had said it out loud. And when I said it to him, it just brought it all forward. And it changed him. I mean, it changed him in ways I won't even go into. But it changed him totally. And he began that night by staying there and getting that done for her. 
And I don't know why I'm so emotional right now, but I witnessed so many things in his life after that. It was just amazing. So, God willing, the air conditioner will be working next Sunday. (laughs) And God willing, we'll stop pushing for perfection and move into acceptance. And that will begin with us, God willing. And in that way, life can become gentle and easy and active and present in the moment and not living in the past or in the future.